0: Amen. I want to take as my text this morning the words of 1st Chronicles chapter 28 and the verse 9. Those words that read, "And thou, Solomon my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind; for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts." If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. And in the passage before us, we have some words of counsel that were given by the aging King David, eh, a great man of God. King David was a man who is referred to as a man after God's own heart. Yes, he had his faults. And he sinned on many an occasion, but yet he was still a great man of God. But at this stage in his reign, he was no longer the man that he used to be physically. He had grown old and he had come to a decision to pass on the kingship, to pass on the kingdom to his son Solomon. Solomon had been chosen by the Lord to succeed David as king. He was the chosen successor. And we see, as we read in verse 1, that there was a great assembly was gathered unto Jerusalem to hear a great public announcement regarding the king. There was a great public announcement regarding this future king of Israel, Solomon. It's true that big announcements or great events will draw a crowd. And the last couple of weeks have shown the truth of that when we think of how in London There have been great crowds gathering outside Buckingham Palace and in other places. And big announcements, they will often draw a crowd. And this was no difference. In the verses that we have read, they contain the substance of the address that King David gave. In that address, David, he spoke of his desire to build the temple. We've seen that in verse 2, where it says, As for me, I had in mine heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord. David wanted to build the temple. But yet he was forbidden to do so because he was a man of war. He was a man who had blood on his hands. Then David continued on and he announced that Solomon was to succeed him as king. And that he was the Lord's choice. And that he was the one who had been chosen by the Lord to build the temple. That was followed by an exhortation in verse 8. To keep and seek for all the commands of the Lord Your God. They were exhorted to obey the commands of God. There's many today, and they would not like such a command. Uh, But we ought to endeavor to obey what the Lord has commanded in His precious word. Let me ask can it be said of you this morning that you seek to obey the word of God? After addressing the people, however, he then turned to his son Solomon. He turned to the one who was to succeed him as king, the Lord's choice to take his place as king. And he gave, as it were, a personal address to him. He spoke words of wisdom, words of counsel, words of advice to his successor. He spoke as a father to a son and as a king to an heir. And he gave him much important instruction. Verse 9, it so sure tells us, That he speaks to King Solomon. He speaks to him about the Lord God. You know there's much that we can learn from these words in our text in verse 9. And it is these words that I want to consider with you this morning for a few moments. And I want to consider the counsel that King David gave to King Solomon about the Lord. And the first thing that we note in our text is that David told Solomon that he was to know him. He was to know him. Our text it says, And thou Solomon my son, know thou the God of thy father. David was a man who knew the Lord. He had a close relationship with him. And he understood the importance of knowing God. Thus he counseled and he instructed his son to do likewise. He counseled and instructed him to know God. It is vitally important that we too know God. Uh, But maybe you ask this morning, well, what is meant by knowing God? And there's some who may say or think that knowing God just means simply knowing about God. Uh, They think it's something that we could refer to as intellectual or, or head knowledge. For example, many of us will know that there are 66 books in the Bible, or we may know the various facts about different subjects in life, whether it be history or whether it be geography. We have that head knowledge, and maybe in the workplace, you know where various items are kept. I remember back in my old employment before coming to college, I, I worked in a warehouse, and in that warehouse we didn 't have any of the computerized systems that you would find in some of the more modern warehouses and everything in that warehouse you had to memorize where it was, and it was it was very difficult but As time went on, you learned where the different things were. And that's really, that's what head knowledge is. It's it's knowing the facts. It's knowing things. But that's not what's being spoken of here. Because Solomon already had that head knowledge. He'd been brought up by King David and instructed in the ways of the Lord by his father. We have to say that truly knowing God, it does not just mean a mere intellectual understanding or, or apprehension. But rather what is meant by knowing God is a saving knowledge. What is meant is a personal acquaintance with him. We could use the word relationship or the word communion. And it goes much deeper than merely understanding or simply knowing the truths about uh, the Lord. This is what David is saying to Solomon. He's saying you need to know God personally. You need to know the Lord personally personally. It's not enough to know about him, or to know who he is, or to know some of the facts regarding him. He's telling him you need to have that relationship with the Lord. You need to know him. David was a man who could speak highly and recommend knowing the Lord. He had known the help of the Lord in good days and difficult days, both before and after his reign. During his reign he faced Various rebellions. We think of the one with Absalom and how that Absalom sought to overthrow the kingdom. But the Lord had helped David. We think back to before David became king and we think of how the Lord helped him when he went and he fought the giant Goliath. And in many other instances, whenever Saul was persecuting him, the Lord had given him great help. David could speak highly and could recommend the benefits of knowing the Lord. And he was telling Solomon that you need to have a relationship with the Lord. You need to know the Lord as I have known him. You need to walk with him. You need to commune with him. You need to seek his face for counsel and for help. It's notable in scripture that in many of the occasions when you read through First and Second Samuel. You see where David just went and did his own thing in it. He didn't seek the Lord. He often ended up in a mess. He often ended up in a difficult situation. But yet when he sought the Lord, the Lord always led him. The Lord always guided him and undertook for him. When we speak of truly knowing the Lord, we can say that it is referring to salvation. We think of the words of John 17 and the verse 3. Those words, the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou past sent. You know, it's only with a true knowledge of God that men can be saved for all eternity. It is only with a true knowledge of God that you can be saved for all eternity. It is a saving knowledge of God compared to just a mere intellectual head knowledge. We could use the term for this saving knowledge of God, we could use the term heart knowledge. We often hear people say you know, about a head knowledge or a heart knowledge. And this is what they are meaning by that heart knowledge. And this is what David is saying to Solomon. And this was how David knew God. David knew God as the one who is holy. He knew him as the one who was holy. Scriptures say, be ye holy for I am holy. He knew the Lord as the one who is sovereign. He knew him as the God who is the deliverer. And David himself, he had many personal experiences... Of deliverance and it's Second Samuel chapter 22 and the verse 2. David he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. David could testify to the deliverance of the Lord. He knew him as the deliverer. But you know there's no greater deliverance than that when we are delivered from the clutches of sin. How are we delivered from the terrible consequences of our sin? We are delivered through Christ Alone. Let me ask this morning: Have you experienced that deliverance? Have you experienced that deliverance from the clutches of sin? Do you know the Lord not just as the God who is holy, as the God who is sovereign, but do you know the Lord as the God who is the deliverer, the God who is the Savior? Maybe this morning you have a knowledge of Scripture. And you can say that you know of God. You've maybe been brought up in the Sunday school or in the children's meeting in this church. And you've learned passages of scripture. You've learned the child's catechism and you've learned the shorter catechism. And they are great documents to to learn and there's much teaching in them. But you may know all of those things, but yet you don't know the Lord. You know about him, but you don't know him. You don't have that relationship with him. You don't have that knowledge of him in regards to salvation. You merely just have a head knowledge. David counseled his son to know God. To have that saving knowledge of him. And likewise you also need to know the Lord. How can you have that saving knowledge? How can you say that I know the Lord? Well very simply you must recognize that you are a sinner before the Lord. You must realize that you have broken his law. You have transgressed his commandments and call upon him to save you. Turn to him in faith and in repentance. And then you can begin to know more of the Lord. You can begin to know him and communicate with him. How do you communicate with the Lord? Well, we communicate with him through the means of prayer. And he communicates with us through his word and through the preaching of it. My friend, I ask you this morning, do you know the Lord? Do you truly know the Lord? Answer it honestly in your heart. Can you say this morning, I know the Lord? Or do you just simply know of him? We see that David counseled Solomon to know the Lord. but We see secondly uh, that he was counseled to serve the Lord. He was to serve him. Because in our text it says and thou Solomon my son know thou the God of thy father. And serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. David instructed Solomon to serve the Lord. He instructed him to serve him. And service follows on from knowing God or from experiencing God's salvation. We cannot serve the Lord truly if we do not know him ourselves. When a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, they are saved from their sin. Uh, They are not saved just to do nothing or just to continue living their life as they have done before conversion. No, they are to continue on and serve the Lord. They are to live a holy life in obedience to God. We could summarize serving the Lord as being obedience to God and to his word. Let me ask this morning, do you serve or obey the word of God? Do you seek to live your life by this book? Oh there's many and they'll say you can be a Christian but you can live in whatever way you want. It doesn't matter how you live but the word of God tells us very clearly that we are to live holy lives. Scripture gives much instruction about how we are to live. We are to live separated from the world. Yes we are in the world in the sense that we have to work, we have to We we, we will have those uh, encounters with other people. But we are not to engage in the sin and the iniquity of the day. We are to be separated from such things. We are to live a holy life. Is your life characterized by holiness? Do your actions show that you are a child of God? Or do you merely act the part whenever it suits you? In our text we see that there is a comment... That is made in regards to how the Lord is to be served. Because we see firstly that the Lord is to be served wholeheartedly. Our text it says and serve him with a perfect heart. And we see that word perfect. And when it's used here it's not speaking of perfection in the sense of without sin. And there are those who teach that you can attain a state of sinless perfection in this life. That is not what the word of God proclaims. The word of God clearly teaches that we we cannot perfectly obey the Lord as we are sinful beings. And we will not be perfect until that day, until we enter into glory. Uh, But here, uh, this word perfect, it's speaking of serving or obeying the Lord with our complete heart. It's speaking of serving the Lord and holding nothing back. It's speaking of serving the Lord wholeheartedly putting all on the altar for the Lord. You know, we cannot serve the Lord with one foot in the world and the other foot in the service of God. We cannot serve two masters. Matthew 6 and the verse 24, the Lord Jesus, he says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God. And mammon. We could say that when it comes to serving the Lord, it's all or nothing. You cannot serve the world, but then serve the Lord on a Sunday. Rather, you must serve the Lord with your whole life. You must serve him wholeheartedly. David told his son that his allegiance was to be to the Lord and to the Lord only. He told his son that he couldn't serve two masters. And you know neither can we. We cannot serve two masters. Let me ask this morning, wherever you are in life, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in the home, maybe it's in school or university, wherever your station is in life, do you serve the Lord with your all? Do you live that life that brings glory to God during the week? Do those work colleagues and your family and your friends. Do they see that you are one who knows the Lord. And that you seek to serve him with your all. Think of the words of Titus. And the chapter 1. And the verse 16. Very solemn words. And the apostle Paul he writes to Titus and he says. They profess that they know God. But in works they deny him. Being abominable. And disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. It says that they professed to know God. But it was their works that showed that they didn't know him at all. Can that be said of you this morning? Can it be said that your works do not add up to your profession of faith? Or do your works prove your confession of faith in Christ? Then we see not just that the Lord is to be served wholeheartedly. But we see that the Lord is to be served willingly. Because our text it says and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. You know we ought not to serve or obey the Lord just because we feel that we have to and that there's no other option. It ought not to be the result of persuasion or, or fear of the repercussions of refusing to obey rather we ought to serve the Lord because we want to serve him. We want to obey him. We want to know more about him. We want to bring glory to his name. We want to see souls won for Christ. We ought to have a willingness to serve the one who came to this world and died on the cross at Calvary. The one who shed his blood to purchase our salvation. You know our love for Christ. And our love for what he has done for us ought to give us that desire, that willingness to serve him. Can we agree with the psalmist in Psalm 40 and verse 8. Where the psalmist David, he says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Let me ask, is the law of God, is the word of God within your heart this morning? Let me ask further, do you delight To do the the will of the Lord? Do you delight to obey the word of God? Do you delight to serve the Lord with your all? Do you have that willing heart for service? Do you have joy in serving the Lord? We have to say that we cannot serve the Lord in our own strength. But rather we must lean and cast ourselves on the Lord. In order to be enabled to serve him. To live that godly life. But we can only truly do that if we ourselves are willing to serve the Lord. It is not something that we do with drudgery. It's not something that should be a burden to us. But rather we ought to rejoice as we obey him. Before we move on though, I don't think we can avoid those words in our text that say, For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. Those words are very solemn. They're very serious words and they remind us of the omniscience of God. In other words, they remind us that God knows all things. He knows our thoughts. He knows all things that are going on in the world. He sees what we do in private and he sees the things that others do not see. You know, Solomon was warned by David. He was told that the Lord would know if he did not serve him wholeheartedly and willingly. He was told that even if the whole of the nation of Israel, if the whole of the kingdom did not see that the king was sinning, the Lord would know. The Lord would see every sin that he committed. You know, it reminds us that there's no deceiving the Lord. There's no fooling the Lord. You may be able to fool those in the pews around you. You may be able to fool the preacher. You may be able to look and act the part in the Lord's day. But there will be no fooling the Lord. There will be no deceiving the Lord. We must be very, very careful because God cannot be fooled. But when we come to serve the Lord, whether it is privately or whether it is in the public manner, let us put our all into it and let us do it willingly. For we know that the Lord sees and knows all things. And he has commanded that we are to serve him with a perfect heart. And with a willing mind, but then we come thirdly this morning, and finally we 've seen that we are t- that Solomon was counseled to know the lord we 've seen that he was, c- was counseled to serve the Lord, but then we see lastly that Solomon was counseled to seek the Lord, he was to seek him. You know our text at uh, the conclusion contains uh, most wonderful words they are great words of comfort. It says, "If thou seek him, he will be found." Of thee, Are they not great and comforting words? Do they not bring comfort to our hearts knowing that if we seek the Lord, if we come and we call upon him, that he will be found of us? Scriptures tell us in many places to seek the Lord. And one such example is Isaiah 55. And the verse number 6 where it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And there are many other scriptures that tell us to seek the Lord. It's a theme that is shown right through the word of God. You know, there's a great promise of seeking here, which gives us great assurance. Because he says that if thou seek him, he will be found of thee. If we seek the Lord, we will find him. You know, this promise, it is true. For God cannot lie. You know we often wonder today when we see news reports or we see things online. We often wonder can we believe it. Can, is it true? We wonder if it's accurate. And we wonder is it, some, is it something that perhaps maybe it could be true. Or maybe it's a twisted version of something. Or is something completely wrong. It's hard to tell sometimes. But when it comes to the word of God we can believe it 100%. There is no doubting what the word of God teaches. And this text it teaches that if we call on the Lord. We will find him. Again the rest of scripture testifies to that truth. Another example is Jeremiah 29. And the verses 12 to 14. Jeremiah 29. And the verse 12 to 14. It reads. Then shall ye call upon me. And ye shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me. And find me. When ye shall search for me. With all your heart. Has the idea there of searching wholeheartedly. As we've already mentioned. Then verse 14 it says. And I will be found of you saith the Lord. We seek the Lord with all of our heart. We search for him. We call upon him. He has said that he will be found of us. You know this morning maybe you're going through a difficult time in your life. Maybe no one knows the depths of despair that you're in. Maybe it's a matter in the home. Maybe there's difficulties. Or maybe in the workplace there's an issue that has arisen. Or there's been some other circumstance that has caused you great distress. You're wondering who can I turn to? You're wondering who cares about such a difficulty. It's maybe even causing you sleepless nights. But you know you can turn to the Lord. You can call upon the Lord. You can bring the problem to him. You can cast that burden to him. You can bring those matters and lay them before him. You know he said that he will be found of you. The prophet Jonah. Who I'm sure we all Have read about and we know of him very well. We know him very well. When he was in a time of crisis. In the belly of the whale. He was in a hopeless situation. He was in great distress. And we could say really that he was at wit's end corner. There he was in the bottom of the sea. In the belly of uh, this whale. And what's more he was in this position. Because of his own disobedience to God. He had disobeyed the Lord. And as a consequence, here he was now at the bottom of the sea. But You know what he did? He called on the Lord. He brought his problem to the Lord. He called to him out of his despair. And you know the Lord did not forsake him. The Lord didn't forsake him. The Lord was found of Jonah. And he answered him. And Jonah was delivered from that fish's belly. And he was cast out again on dry land. The Lord answered his desperate cry for help. You know what an assurance the Christian has that the Lord will not forsake them. But rather the Lord will be found of them. But there's also a closing application that I wish to make. Because this text it's not just a word of comfort to the believer. It's not just a word of comfort to the believer in testing and troubling times but it also applies to that great matter of salvation. You know, the Lord has promised that if you seek him, that if you call upon him for his salvation, he has promised that he will save you. Peter quoted the prophet Joel on the day of Pentecost when he said these words, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, if you call in the name of the Lord today, you too will be saved. If you acknowledge that you are a lost sinner before the Lord, that you have sinned against him, that you are unrighteous, that you are undone, and that there is nothing that you can do to make your soul right before the Lord. If you repent of your sin and you call upon him to save you, he has said in his word that he will save you. The Lord Jesus Christ in John 6 verse 37, he says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You might be one of the worst sinners in the land. But yet, if you call upon the Lord, he has said that he will save you. We could think of the example of the Apostle Paul. Before the Apostle Paul was converted, in scripture he's called Saul. He was Saul of Tarsus. And he was a man who had went about. And he had sought to persecute the church of Christ. He had been present at the murder of Stephen when he was martyred for the faith. The coats were laid at his feet. He was really an accessory to that terrible act. He went to the city of Damascus seeking to arrest and persecute the church there. But it was on that road to Damascus that this wicked man, this enemy of the church, this man who was seeking to destroy the church of Christ, it was on that road that the Lord saved him the Lord could save a man guilty of murder, if he could save a man guilty of seeking to persecute his own people, I tell you this morning, the Lord can save you. But you must call. You must call upon him to save you. You must seek the Lord. This morning, let me ask, if you're outside of Christ, you've maybe sat in this church for many years, you've attended the services here regularly, you've heard the gospel proclaimed many times, but you've never sought the Lord for salvation. Let me ask, will you not seek him today? Will you not call upon the Lord while he is near? Will you not call upon him while the Lord is calling you to salvation? Or will you go out the doors of this sanctuary and think, well, maybe some other day. Let me warn you that you may not get another opportunity. You may not get another opportunity to come to the Lord. This might be your final chance. I implore you not to leave the house of the Lord this morning without calling upon the Lord for salvation. And then if you call upon the Lord for salvation, you will truly know him. And then you will be able to serve him willingly and with your whole heart. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this morning. We're just going to close with a word of prayer. Our gracious God and our loving Father in heaven. We thank thee for this message that we have contained within thy holy word. We thank thee for King David. And, O God, we know that he was a man who certainly was subject to like passions, as we are. But yet he was a man of God. And a man who gave great wisdom and great counsel to his son Solomon. And we thank thee that that counsel... That, that counsel, indeed, it is applicable to us here today in the 21st century. For it is so important that we too know God, that we serve him, and that we seek him. Father, we pray that if there is any outside of thee here this morning, we pray that they would not leave this house without getting right with thee. We pray that thy spirit would show them their need of salvation, and that they would indeed make themselves known unto us. But Lord, as we come to part our ways, we bring the service to a conclusion. We ask that thou wouldst be with us even over the course of the afternoon. And then bring us once again to thy house this evening to hear the preaching of the gospel of Christ. We pray in thy precious name. Amen and amen.